Welcome, everybody, to Books with Cooks, a podcast for bookies and foodies. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Alex. And we're two cousins who are also best friends who love to read. Yeah. And I love to cook. And I cook to survive. We'll be reviewing, analyzing, sometimes overanalyzing, and discussing the books we're currently reading, as well as new and old recipes from our kitchen to yours. By the way, we're real people with real families. So you may hear cats, dogs, birds, babies, and husbands. So enjoy that bonus material. Now let's get booking and have a tasty chat. Listeners, stick around at the end of this episode for some bloopers and bonus content. Hey, 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 listeners. If you're enjoying our podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred streaming service to help us reach more listeners and spread the word about our podcast. Before we get started, we want to include some trigger warnings. This book and the following discussion will include topics of violence, sexual content, and self-harm. So please be aware of that before you proceed. Also, please just be aware that there will be cursing and spoilers in this episode. So if that's something that you're sensitive to, or if you haven't read this book just yet, you may want to skip this episode and come back to it in the future. If you don't plan on reading this duology, stay tuned and we will let you know what happens. And remember, as they say in Blunder, be clever, be wary, be good. Hey, welcome back to the snacks. Hey, Jess. (laughs) Hey, Alex. What are you snacking on today? I'm snacking on a coffee, a gingerbread, by the way. I don't know mm-hmm. if you tried them yet, but Nespresso came out with their holiday flavors and there's the gingerbread flavor. It's delicious. I love it. I did not try it. Oh, but it's now so you're good. making me want to. Yeah, I haven't tried um the other one yet. There was like, I think, a peppermint. I wasn't as excited, Ooh, but the gingerbread okay. is super yummy. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay. having that with, with my oat milk as per usual. <laughs> and uh, I am having kind of a little mix between uh, yesterday we went to a farm. So I got this um, like homemade kettle corn. So mm-hmm. I have kettle popcorn and those honey braided, um, those honey wheat braided twist pretzels. So nice. a little combo cup. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. What about awesome. you? I don't have my coffee yet. It's a little early. I usually drink it a little later. So I didn't make that yet, but I do have some macadamia nuts. They are dry, roasted and salted. Mm-hmm. They're very dry, tasty. roasted and salted. And mind you that it's not early. Okay. Because we had to set the clocks back. Um, we fall behind, yes. so it's an hour later than you think it is. And at this time, that is true. I want everyone to know that it is twelve fourteen, which means that it would be one fourteen. It's still kind of early. I usually early drink, my ass. I usually I'm drink my, my coffee. Cup. I drink my coffee around three usually, <laughs> I mean, unless I'm really really tired. But I actually slept pretty well last night, so I didn't wake nice. up feeling too tired, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually been um because I wanted to cut back on all the. The coffee, it's not so much the coffee, it's what I put in it, you know? Mm. Um, So I was telling Alex, and I'll tell you guys, uh, not sponsored in any way possible, <laughs> but I have started this thing called Kiala. It's K-I-A-L-A. Um, I will link it for you guys in our link tree if you're interested. But it's this little powder. It has like super greens in it. Um, Usually those things taste absolutely disgusting because they're good for you. <laughs> this happens to be good for you, but also um tastes good. 
There's different flavors. There's like tropical splash I have. I have a watermelon slushy. There's other good flavors too. But these are the two that I've tried. I think they're both delicious. I just pour it into my water bottle, mix it up, and it gives me enough energy to skip coffee in the morning. Wow. That's a lot for me to say. Yeah. I didn't think Uh, anything would do that for you. (laughs) No. But the one thing that I love about it is I kind of have like, um, as as some women do, we have like some hormonal issues. So it kind of gives me a little bloat in the midsection. And I've noticed, it says it takes about two weeks to notice any like serious changes, but I've noticed changes in D's with this stuff. And I've never noticed anything affect me that way. So I'm a big, big fan of it. I was telling Alex about it. I think she said she might try it too. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. If you're interested, are you looking for something? I recommend. I'll wait until you've uh, taken it for two weeks and see if it gets even better. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I know. Well, I've been waking up with a smile on my damn face. <laughs> it's from that or not. I'm like, Aww. what the hell? Uh, but well, yeah, I've been, yeah, I'm into it. So we'll see. This is, again, a TikTok getting me. I did not buy mm-hmm. it through TikTok. Sorry to the girl that was like, this is what you need. And then I went past it. And I was like, I don't need that. And then another girl came out with it. And she was like, all right, this is the only thing that changed it for me. She showed pictures. I was like, oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I I scrolled past it, and then somebody else came up with it, and I was like, "Fine, TikTok, you know what I need, I guess." <laughs> so I went on to Amazon and I looked into it myself, and I made my husband look at the ingredients because if there's something in there I don't want to eat, I'm looking at you, mushrooms, ashwagandha. <laughs> I get it. Uh, I don't want to know. So yeah. he said everything was good. It was all natural and seems like organic or something. So I was like, "All right, that's fine for me," mm-hmm. and I tried it, and that's that. Nice. All right. Yeah, I I will not eat something if it has mushrooms in it. So I can't look at the ingredients myself. Even if it's just a powder and you can't taste it? Don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't care because I know that they're slimy in their natural form. In their natural form. <laughs> it grosses me out. <laughs> All right. I don't like mushrooms either, but I I don't know. I feel like if it's going to taste good, if it's not going to be slimy because they are, plus they have a gross flavor in my opinion. But if you can't taste it and it's just a powder, that would, I don't know. Yeah. Like this it's, is you're, like, you're letting your, you're letting your brain get in the way of your health. <laughs> this is my, this is random, but this is my beef with Princess Peach from Super Mario. Okay. <laughs> what? Because she is a princess of mushroom people. And there's no way I would ever be able to be a princess of mushroom people. I mean, they seem nice and friendly, <laughs> but I don't like mushrooms. Maybe I would like mushrooms as people. I don't know. But Mr. Toad um, is so cute. Yeah. I mean, they're they're adorable. Yeah, no, they're cute when they have faces and stuff. But when they're slimy, little disgusting things <laughs> on my plate, then it's kind of like I'd rather hang out with Bowser. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'd rather hang out with the villain? Basically. <laughs> then help the little mushroom people? Because mushrooms are the villain, Alex. They're, they're villainous. Stop. Right? I don't like them. I don't even like the way they look in the wild. <laughs> Get them out of here. Speaking of in the wild, we have like random mushrooms that just randomly started growing in our backyard like overnight one day. We were looking out and we were like, what's that? And we went and it's just mushrooms everywhere and they're growing on our trees too. And I was like, when, when, what is this? Why is this happening? You need mushroom, mushroom aside, pesticides for mushrooms if that exists. Yeah. But the ones on the trees remind me, do you remember that movie Fern Gully? When we were little. Yes, of course I remember yes. Fern Gully. We used right. to watch that all the time. These mushrooms remind me of the movie Fern Gully because I'm pretty sure those little fairies were like jumping on them when they were on the tree, remember? And that's yes. what it reminds me of. So now I think it's kind of cute, even though I'm like, please don't attack my tree. Mushrooms. Right, if you're going to keep them, then you're going to have to hang little tiny fairies from the tree. Yeah. 
would be cute. <laughs> yeah, and put fairy lights all around. How adorable. I know. <laughs> oh my God, can we sleep there? Let's sleep in your yard. We'll camp out with Fern Gully watching it on like a projection screen. Aww. Fun time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> sad. We're sad. Yeah. Particularly anyway. me. Anyway, speaking of sad, um, while you were sad. Yeah, while you were away, Matthew Perry died. I saw that. Yeah. That hit he was me hard. Too. He was my favorite friend. Yeah, he was my favorite too. He was fun. He was so funny and he was so sarcastic. Aww. He was the best. Yeah. And I just got really sad. Uh, so I'm going to start watching Friends again for the 50,000th time, which I'm sure everyone's doing probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. And yeah, it's probably going to be super watched right now. But I just yeah. feel bad. I know he had his struggles. He had a book out. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll pick it up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, I don't know. I feel sad and I feel sorry for him. Yeah. He was young. Yeah. I saw that. He was only, I think, 54, something like that. He was very yeah, young. Too young. So I don't know. But um, yeah, I got sad. I was watching one of his, uh, the roles of like his best bloopers and stuff. And he was always just mm. trying to make them laugh behind the scenes, trying to screw up their lines and stuff. Yeah. yeah he seems fun. <laughs> He's like you. Basically. <laughs> you do to me. <laughs> yep. The Jess Perry of this <laughs> podcast. <Aww. laughs> Well, anyway, uh, R.I.P. to Matt Perry. I was sad about it, mm-hmm. and uh, and to his family, you know. Yeah. But uh, on a happier note, Friends was one of my, is one is still one of my favorite uh, TV shows of all time. Yeah, if you rewatch it, you'll have to update me on your watching journey. Yes, me and Alex actually we took our moms. We went to go see uh, the Friends experience in New York City when it came yeah. about. Uh, Alex was sick when we went, and she didn't care. She was like, "I'm still going." <laughs> Was I sick? I don't even remember that. You were like, don't come near me in the car, but also give me some of that cookie. Do you remember? I remember it was so much fun. I remember that. That does sound familiar. Yeah, no, it was funny. Like, she was sick. I think you didn't have, like, much taste or something. And you were, like, sitting all the way on the opposite side of me in the back seat. And you were like, give me some of that cookie. And then you you, you would taste it. And I was like, it's good, right? You were like, I can't taste it. That's right. I was super congested. <laughs> like, I don't know what it tastes like. I was like, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I'll just imagine it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got the cookie in Central Perk. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was cute. I, that was a fun time. I like things like that. We did that in DC too. We went to the pop up uh, yes, bar. The Game of Thrones pop up. Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah, I loved that. And that one was awesome. They had like yeah. everything themed. We took a picture of Steve and his grandma. It was yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I found that yeah. picture recently. Did you? <laughs> I was like, Grandma. Yeah. Um, it's not really Steve's grandma, but I don't even know who Steve is, so just assume it's his grandma. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, they had the themed drinks and everything. But I remember I was like so hungover from the night before that I couldn't even drink them. I think I had like one and I was like, I can't even drink this. <laughs> I know. I got one for the, the cup itself. I think you were able to take the cup as a souvenir. Yeah. So I got it for that, but the drink was horrendous. And I was oh. trying to like pawn it off on everybody. <laughs> I don't remember who ended up drinking it, if I spilled it out or whatever. But all I do know is that we signed up to sit on the throne to take pictures. Mm. And we had to give our phone number and they were going to text us when it was ready. And when we left, literally five minutes after we left, it was ready. And I was like, God damn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. But that was a fun trip. DC yeah. was fun. Yeah, it was. I like Washington, DC. Yeah. We went to like some rooftop bar too at night. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I like things like that. Yeah. So what else, uh, what else has been new since I, we like hadn't talked <laughs> in so many days because I was away. Is there anything new? Do you guys do anything fun? I know you had I your mean, Halloween. 
we had a lot of Halloween stuff happen. Uh, in case I didn't say, but I was Red Riding Hood and my son was the big bad wolf. So cute. But he wasn't a big bad wolf. He was a cute wolf. <laughs> uh, it was so fun. He went trick-or-treating and every time that certain people would, you know, he'd, he'd ring the bell and certain people would be like, oh my God, don't, you know, huff and puff and blow my house down. I was Aww. like, he's a different wolf, you know. Um, he'll just eat your grandma. But, you know, he was, <laughs> he, he had a lot of fun. We went to this little um, children's festival. He came second place for a prize. Mm-hmm. Um, the first person was insane. Did I tell you what she was? No, you told me that she was painted from head to toe, and yes. I asked, I asked what you meant. Oh, and you I never, never told you. We got distracted by other things. Okay. <laughs> no, she was painted head to toe. She was um, Mystique from uh, X Men. It was oh, awesome. Wow. Yeah, like her, whoever her mom, whatever her mom mm-hmm. or whoever did it did an amazing job like there was yeah. i was seeing her and i was like there's no way that that, that little girl's not winning first place yeah um, <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> it was it was awesome like her mother has to be some kind of artist so i was like this yeah. is awesome she's probably um, a makeup but, artist or something yeah so when he won second prize i was like that's basically first because it's yeah. not even fair uh, <laughs> it was cute yeah and um and then yesterday we took him to a farm on halloween i had my in-laws by um mm-hmm. it's been very busy uh yeah. so i've kind of been like reading the same book yeah <laughs> the whole time uh but i did start my holiday reading yes. and i am very much enjoying i started uh with the christmas uh orphans club nice right and I, yeah you mentioned that to me yes and i'm really loving it it's feel good it's I, i'm laughing out loud i love it what is that about because i don't think i've heard of that book until you mentioned it so I'm a mood reader. So I have that whole list that I had sent you. And I was like, I like all these. Yeah. And then I look at the list or whatever. And then I'm like, all right, I'll start with this one. You know what I mean? It has no particular mm-hmm. order for me. So I just decided to start with this one because I thought maybe this one would be the least one I would like. Oh, okay. You know, I figured get it out of the way because I wanted to read it, but I didn't know. I wanted to read the other ones more. And I'm loving it. Okay. Uh, it's got a lot of humor, a lot of nostalgia. It goes back and forth with the times. It's all about friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're called the, so far I'm, I'm not, ha- uh, far in, I'm maybe like 10 chapters in, mm-hmm. but, um, basically like a, a group of friends, um, and they're orphaned for other, for different reasons. They're not necessarily don't have family, but either their family doesn't want them mm-hmm. for some reason, or somebody's families did just, you know, did pass. Uh, there's a whole bunch okay. of things, but basically it's this group of friends that hang out together every Christmas because they have no one else. Okay. Um, and it's getting to the point now where one of them is moving to, I think, LA, and they want to have one last great Christmas together in case things go differently after he moves. Aw, okay. I'm loving it. It's so cute. feel good. It's adorable. The flashbacks I told you were like mentioning LimeWire and Alex Mack yeah. <laughs> and all these things, and I was like, oh my god, this is like, <laughs> yeah, bringing it. I back. know these things. <laughs> yeah. So I've been loving it. I think um I think it's really cute and I'm it's fuzzy. We yeah. love that. So yeah. But I know while while you were away, you read a whole bunch of romance stuff. So I tell us on, all about that. Yeah, I went on a romance binge because I needed. I, it was the same thing. I was like, I need something that's like feel good. We just read like a month's worth of like these really dark thrillers and horror novels, and I know I just I needed like a little happy break in my brain. So. I did. I did so many. I well, I, I first I reread Book Lovers because I was like, I need something familiar that I love, and it still holds up. It's still amazing. I still love it. I still recommend it. And then I went through some other Emily Henry. I read People We Meet on Vacation. I didn't love as much. It was just okay for me. 
Um, I'm not a huge fan of friends to lovers tropes. And to me, it was like a little drawn out. It's just, it, I think maybe it just wasn't for me. Uh, her writing's still very good though. And I read Beach Read. I liked it a lot, not as much as book lovers, but I still liked it a lot. It was really cute. And my favorite that I read was the very secret society of irregular witches. This is the most adorable book I think I've ever read in my life. It was wow. so cute. It was so feel good. It was exactly what I needed when I read it. And I highly recommend it. It was adorable. The writing was really good. The characters are good. And just a cute feel good book. It reminded me of practical magic at points. It was just really, I really loved it. And then I read some, uh, so I actually DNF'd two books, The Love Hypothesis. I don't know. I got six chapters in and I just I hated everything about it. I just didn't like it. I wasn't enjoying it. So I stopped. And then I started reading Icebreaker. And did you? I did. And I was we said like, we didn't want anything to do with that book. I know. But I was just in I was in my I've romance. I was thinking binge. about downloading it and I was like, Alex will make fun of me. And now no. you're reading it. I start but I, I didn't have I got to chapter seventeen and I'm like bored to tears. And I'm, this oh, is this okay. page it's like over four hundred pages and I'm like I just don't even care. I don't really know where the book is heading. The plot synopsis, I'm like, it says something about her she's like a figure skater and her partner's like gets injured or something, so this hockey player is supposed to fill in. I'm like at chapter seventeen, this still hasn't happened yet. I'm like, when does the plot start? I'm I'm on chapter seventeen. When does it start? <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I, those are the type of books that have plots. It has a plot. It, it may not be. It's not like a fantasy plot or like a sci-fi plot, but it's a plot. It's somebody gets injured and he's going to have to fill in and it's, you know, their budding romance and their relationship forming. But it nothing's happened yet. It's just like a bunch of kids in college doing college shit. And I'm like, I don't, this is boring. It's boring. I wouldn't say it's poorly written. I think maybe it's just poorly edited, but um uh, I don't know. I, I decided not to finish it. And now I feel burnt out by the, the romances because I did fly through them. So I'm going to be starting on my fantasy journey now because we have, we just finished Two Twisted Crowns, which is amazing. And we have Iron Flame coming out in a few days. And yes. oh, Red Belladonna. Me, and there's a couple other ones I want to read. Your Iron so, Flame Wall? Yes, I have an Iron Flame Wall. <laughs> it's coming out on the 7th. I'm not getting mine until the 8th. I know. Why? I don't get why that is. All right. So that's unacceptable. Unfair. I'm not going to buy the Kindle <laughs> just for a day. Yeah. I'm not doing it. So I'm going to fill it up with shit. <laughs> All right. I'm probably going to read another Frida because honestly, even though I know it's like, you know, not feel good, it's thrill. Mm. I read her so fast. Yeah. <laughs> She's got fast read books. They're exciting. Uh, I know. I just read Never Lie. I told you. Mm -hmm. And I read it fast. But at the same time, I was like, eh. yeah, I didn't love it. I loved The Housemaid. Yeah. I know that uh, I didn't read that other book. But as far as I'm concerned, I loved The Housemaid. It was such a good book. It was so much fun to read. Never Lie was fun to read because she's got that type of style. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the twists were a little much for me. And the, the whole premise of it, I was just like, meh. It's like I people that they get snowed out. Uh, all right. So I'm not going to tell everybody everything. But basically, okay. uh. There's this couple that's looking for a house, okay? They drive all the way from the city to go to, like, Westchester or something like that. Oh, my God. Evil neighbors? No... What? I said evil no. neighbors? I'm just kidding. No, there's no evil neighbors. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I would have been like, read it now. I know you like that. Uh, <laughs> no. No. In a snowstorm, okay? They're driving in a snowstorm. Okay? He has a little tiny BMW that skids on the road. It's like a, what are they called? Rear rear drive? I don't know. Rear view. Whatever. Rear, Irrelevant. Rear drive. It's not four-wheel drive. <laughs> 
All right. Okay. Bottom line is 10 foot of snow. They're stuck there. Okay. So instead of like leaving or like, I don't know, pulling a cab and getting the hell out of there, they're like, let's see if there's a door. Um, Let's see if there's a key to get into the door of this house. What? Because the real estate agent doesn't show up. They find uh. the key under the doormat or wherever the hell they find it. And they stay there for the weekend. That's weird. It's weird. And there's a lot of weird shit that happens in that That's house. Very weird. All right. And of course, that makes you want to read it. But at the mm. end, I was just like, meh. Yeah. I have heard that Frida McFaddy is well known for her over the top twists. Like that's just a thing that she does. I like that. It's fun. I like yeah. that because I don't take these books seriously. I'm just I'm not right. like going there being like this is the best book I've ever written. Yeah. Like this is just like a fun little read. Like when I feel like watching, uh, you know, John Wick. I know it's not the best movie right. ever, but it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, this is the type of those. I like those type of books just yeah. to read for fun. And they're good little like in-betweeners. Mm -hmm. um, this one though, sorry, Dana. <laughs> Dana was like, never lie, read it. And I was like, all right, that was on my next to read of hers. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Not my favorite. Uh, but next we're going to read The House Made Secret. So I'm interested in that. I want to see where, where it goes from there. Yeah. And then that third one comes out, I think, in June. So that'll be looking forward to that. Yes. And it's easy too, because all of her books are on KU, uh, Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. Makes so it super just, easy. Yeah, you could just download them and read them whenever you feel like it. Oh, I wanted to mention also, you know that Scribed app that I have? It, yeah. It rebranded and now it's called Everand. And I feel like, I don't know how Ever I feel and. about the title. Everand? I feel like it's like... Littering End? Littering I don't, end. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like a play on ampersand, ampersand because um, the, the symbol is the ampersand symbol. Oh, Mm. and i think ever and is supposed to be like forever and or something i don't know i don't know how i feel about it scribe I made sense to me so i know yeah scribe is cute yeah and they changed the colors it used to be blue and white which i liked it was calming now it's like yellow and and black i think like a bumblebee I, what's the, what's the deal no i mean no, i still i still love my app i just don't know how i feel about the rebranding <laughs> what's the deal with yellow okay do you like yellow i mean i don't no i i I don't gravitate towards yellow. I guess it depends. Uh, yeah, if it's a very like, soft, oh. light, like pastel-y type yellow, I don't mind it. But like bright, I don't, I'm not yes. a big fan of like those like bright, no. like orange. People will be yellow. like, oh, it's cheery. No, it gives me anxiety. I don't like it. <laughs> Step off yellow. Like yeah. what the hell? I, I like when it's like that, you know, um, almost yellow, but it's really an ivory type of color. Mm, okay. That's pretty because it's soft. It's calming. That's actually kind of like the color we're doing in our spare bedrooms. <laughs> It's like a very there you pale, go. perfect like, whitish yellow. <laughs> but when it's like that yellow in your face, like be happy. It's like I don't want to be happy. I'll be happy on my own terms. Don't try to scream it at me. Uh. Um, speak, speaking of altering my uh my perception, me and Doug binge watched uh, the show Severance. Oh, okay. I haven't heard of it. What is it? Okay, so first of all, this is Doug's fault because he's like the second season's out. We gotta watch it. We watch it literally. <laughs> I swear we watched four episodes or five of them last night because yeah. he had work this morning, but he knew that the clocks were going back. So he was like, you do it. I've never seen Doug watch more than two in a row ever. <laughs> Maybe Breaking Bad back in the day. That's it. Okay. So he was like, kept going. And I was like, wow. He was like into this. it. Yeah. He, we like it because we can't figure it out. We don't know what the hell's going on. It's so weird. It's okay. weirder than, uh, than White Lotus. Oh, okay. Not All a weirder right. song. Is it, but it's weird is it like, like a mystery type or is it? um like sci-fi all right so 
who who's the main guy from Parks and Recs that was dating Leslie Nope, married Leslie Nope, I think. Oh, Adam something. Yes, Adam Scott. Thank you. Yeah. So he's the main guy. Basically, he works at a job where when he goes to work, as soon as he reaches the elevator on the floor where he works, his brain switches off to a different person. Oh. Okay. So he he's part of this. They they implant things in your head to mm-hmm. make it that your work self is different from your home self. So when you're home, when you're basically when you go on the elevator to go to work, mm-hmm. you're automatically coming down. You don't even experience the eight hours you're there. Wow. But there's some wild shit going on <laughs> because this place is weird. You know, this is, it's creepy. The people are weird. Mm-hmm. And who the hell wants to do that? You could be having a whole nother relationship when you have a relationship because you yeah. don't know what the hell is going on for eight hours. Yeah. That's what this show is about. Okay. And it's, it's wild. So Things are wild. Then. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, that, yeah, sounds, so, that sounds like something I would like. <laughs> you would love it. Yeah. But it's very it's very weird, mm-hmm. but it's very good. And uh, Christopher Walken's in it. Uh, what? Where are you guys watching it? What service is it on? Apple TV. Apple. Okay. Watch it. But okay. I'm going to kill Doug because he's like, the second season's out, you know, and everybody mm-hmm. says we have to keep wa- we have to start watching it. So we did and we watched the whole thing. We were excited for season two, but it's not out. That's a lie. <laughs> It's not coming out till 2024 or 2025, what? man. I was like, why would oh, you no. do this to me? Oh, no. Why? And it left off on such a cliffhanger. I was like, God damn it. I need yeah. to know what happens. That is so annoying. With this uh, writer strike, it's everything is getting pushed back. Because I know even I we know. were talking about the, the Last of Us the other day. I was like, I can't wait until that new season comes out. So I looked it up. It's not coming out till 2024, 2025, just like that. And yeah. I was so upset. I was like, why are you doing this to me? And well, I, I get was, well, I get why they're doing it. But it's... it's I uh, was I was le- yeah. lied to because I believed that I was told... That it was already available. That it was already available. <laughs> and now it's not available. And when I tell yeah. you this finale, like it was 2 a.m. And me and Doug were literally sitting up like <laughs> watching this with our eyes bugging out. And I was like, what is that? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Like on the edge of my seat. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I can't wait. Let me see what the, uh, this, how many episodes are in the next season. And the next season wasn't there. <laughs> it wasn't there. I was like, what? So, yeah, it's yeah. messed up. Yeah, I know. But yeah, watch it. You'll watch it quick. It's yeah. really good. You'll like okay. it. I think you and Rob will like it. Yeah. Uh, other yeah, than I'll that, definitely start that. Yeah, watch it. Uh, it's just, it's weird. Be prepared, but you'll like it. It's good. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. And then uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know uh, we read this book yeah oh yeah i can't wait to talk about this book all right let's get into our word of the day then yes we had a good conversation <laughs> okay it's time for the word of the day remember that we encourage our listeners to use these words in your daily conversations and with us on our socials each word of the day will come from the word of day vocabulary workbook by francine puckley or franny the pucks Follow the link in bio to get a copy for yourself. Without further ado, today's word of the day is... Cantankerous. Can't take her nowhere. Just kidding. (laughs) Spelled C-A-N-T-A-N-K-E-R-O-U-S. Pronounced cantankerous. It is an adjective defined as ill-tempered, cranky. For example... You kids stay off my lawn. Our cantankerous neighbor barked. (laughs) Alex, let's come up with some other examples. Okay. Well, the nightmare as he journeys to find the twin elders card with Raven and the other 
members of their group is quite cantankerous. In a fun way, Elm sometimes is cantankerous. I was going to say Elm too. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I agree with you. <laughs> we team Elm up in here. We love him. Yes, my new book love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when I wake up in the morning, I am extremely cantankerous and people <laughs> don't like to be around me. <laughs> Uh, I think of the movie Tropic Thunder when Jack Black is tied to a tree and he wants, quote, jelly beans that are really drugs. And he's screaming and he's like, your mom's a cantankerous whore. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry back then when I said that your mom's a cantankerous whore. She's not. She's a nice lady. <laughs> it's just that whole quote, quote. So that's all. Nice. All right. So here's some trivia about the word cantankerous. If they had such a thing back then, Ebenezer Scrooge would have been voted most likely to become cantankerous in his high school yearbook. Of course, that was before the visit from the ghost of Christmas yet to come, but his spiteful and noxious attitude definitely made him someone with whom no one wanted to spend much time. That's true. He was cantankerous. He was, but how is that trivia? I don't know. It's not. It's just kind of <laughs> speculation, if anything. <laughs> she... Uh... What's her name? What the hell? Pr- Franny Pr- the Pucks? Franny the Pucks has some beef with Ebenezer Scrooge, and she was like, I'm just going to throw this asshole under the bus. <laughs> I, like, would, I would vote him most likely to become cantankerous. Yeah. She's like, you want some, some trivia on cantankerous? I know someone cantankerous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. That's cantankerous. Use it Apparently. on your loved ones during Christmas time if they're being cranky. <laughs> hey, Christmas cantank. Yeah. Don't call them a Scrooge. Call them cantankerous. Cantankerous. All right, I'm done. (laughs) Humbug. All righty. So as you all know, we are all about booking and cooking. So let's get into our ingredient of the week. This week's ingredient is... Bread. Inspired by the rotten bread. Prisoners are served in the dungeon at Stone. We will make something using that ingredient to discuss in our potty episode, which will air on Thursday, but we will not be using rotten bread. So, you know, don't get any ideas. (laughs) Don't get any ideas for some rotten bread. But do send us recipe suggestions to our email or on our socials, and we may feature them in the future. All right. So first, let's tell you why we chose this book, as we usually do, to let you know. Uh, We already read this first book in the series one dark window we absolutely loved 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 it so we both gave it five stars yep so of course we needed to read the second part of this duology why wouldn't we (laughs) right we're not quitters yeah so we had to check it out yeah before we dive into our discussion here's a plot synopsis so everyone knows what the sequel is about two twisted crowns picks up right where one dark window left off Elspeth, due to degeneration, has been trapped in her own subconscious mind as a 500-year-old monster known as the Nightmare takes the driver's seat, fully possessing her body as a vessel to settle ancient debts. Elspeth must not only recollect who she is as she lurks within the dark shadows of her own mind, but she must also solve the puzzle of the monster's disconnected and concealed past. Only then can she team up with the Nightmare, the spirit of the Shepherd King, within the space of her own mind to restore a magical card deck and save the kingdom from evil by lifting a centuries-old mist to set the kingdom's entombed inhabitants free. Without control of her body, 
All Elspeth can do is watch as an observer through her own eyes, which she refers to as her window to the outside world. On this treacherous journey, Elspeth and the spirit of the Shepherd King are accompanied by allies as they seek out the elusive Twin Elders card to restore peace to the Kingdom of Blunder. While Elspeth and Raven are on their journey, Princeling Elm and soon-to-be Queen Ione seeks to recover her hidden maiden card and elicit change in the political landscape of Blunder. All right, so for those of you who may not have heard the author bio for One Dark Window, here it is again for this second part of the series. Rachel Gillig, also known as Rachie the Gills, is a New York Times bestselling author of dark fantasy novels and praised for weaving in enchanting prose. Gillig, the author of debut duology series The Shepherd King, which includes One Dark Window and this Two Twisted Crowns, or, you know, the Gills Ills, as we're going to call it, rocks, was born and raised on the California coast. Gillig is 34 years old, a Libra, and a socially outgoing person. She's a writer and teacher with a BA, bachelor's degree, in literary theory and criticism from University of California, Davis. If she's not ensconced in blankets dreaming up her next novel, Rachel is in her garden or walking with her husband, son, and their poodle, Wally. Okay, so let's talk to Twisted Crowns. Let's start with, yeah. <laughs> let's start with sharing your thoughts on the sequel's change in narration. How did you feel about the shifting uh, through perspectives of Elspeth, Raven, and Elm? And did you find yourself more enthralled by one perspective over another? I loved this change. This was so refreshing. And it didn't make me feel like I was reading a different book, but just getting to know characters better and deeper. And I loved it. Uh, that's what she said. But <laughs> I absolutely love the change in narration. I, I wouldn't have changed a damn thing. I think Rachel Gillig knew what she was doing. I loved being in different perspectives in this one. And I loved uh, being in Elspeth uh, in her perspective, how she was in the depths of her own mind, kind of the similar way that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the nightmare had been in the first book. And just bravo. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my thoughts. Bravo. But yes, I did find myself enthralled with Elm. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved every chapter with Elm and I couldn't wait to get back to him, even though I really did love the other chapters as well. I loved um, Raven's little story that was happening here. And I loved finding out more about his backstory. And I loved finding out what was going on in Elspeth's own head. I, I just I loved, 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 yeah. <laughs> loved um, everything about the writing of this one. What about yeah. you? I agree with you. I loved the change in perspective. I love that we got to know these characters a little bit more in depth, like you said. I also love that we got to see two different plot lines, basically, between we had Elm and Ione on on one part of of Blunder at Stone, and then we had Raven and Elspeth in the Nightmare on their journey to find the Twin Elders card. It kept it really fresh. It kept it really Mm -hmm. exciting. Yes. it really it got us invested so i already knew that i loved elspeth i already knew that i loved these characters but yes i also found myself really gravitating towards elm he was already one of my favorite characters in the first book and so getting more of him in this book just i i couldn't wait to get to his chapters again but i agree with you it wasn't like i didn't like the other chapters each time there was a shift i was like oh yeah now we're getting back to this what happened you know she did a really masterful job of keeping you on your toes at the end of each perspective, but then not getting to another perspective and being like, oh, I just want to find out what happened with the other ones. It was like, oh no, now I'm back in this and I want to know what's going to happen here now. So it was a lot of going back and forth that made it really exciting to read. And and I loved it. Yes. And the imagery, her her imagery is just always on point. 
such okay. an atmospheric novel yeah yes Amazing. and you could just you picture everything as if you're watching a movie inside your own head kind of like how mm-hmm. elspeth is stuck in her own minds like it's just bravo yeah <laughs> yeah uh can you tell this is going in a five-star direction here? <laughs> uh but i will say i agree with you you know like everything had its own different thing that i was interested in like i i was learning about the shepherd king through elspeth i was learning about um you know raven's uh backgrounds and we were learning uh, through raven's chapters and then i was learning about this new budding romance and i hate using that word but we always do yeah <laughs> uh but this new romance that was going on between ion and um and elm and i was there for that you know that yeah. was refreshing yeah uh because we got little bits and pieces of raven trying to speak with elspeth but we knew that they were they loved each other already right. so we didn't that was kind of on the back burner but still there and mm-hmm. just well written that's all right yeah yeah I, I think we'll be you. here for six hours saying that so yeah I, I have more <laughs> but I'm gonna save it for when we talk about her writing <laughs> because I do I I could talk about her for days so we learned that the twin elders card possesses the ability to bend time and revisit the past as an observer very cool during uh Raven's time travel he discovers he's a direct descendant of the shepherd king's son Bennett who after watching his family perish became a pariah changing his last name to you. So how'd you feel about this reveal, Raven's revelation? Did you see it coming? Uh, how'd you feel about the reveal of the magic that the Twin Elders card embraces? I did see this coming with Raven because earlier on in the book when uh, Elspeth is in the memories of the nightmare in her own mind, she sees his children and they all have yellow eyes except the one, Bennett, who has gray eyes. And I was like, oh my God, like like Raven. And then she also put some other things in there occasionally about his nose and how the Shepherd King had like the hooked nose. And it's just like Raven, they're always making fun of his nose. Um, And they always make it a point to to mention that Raven has the gray eyes. So I I wasn't surprised. I mean, I I liked it. I wasn't annoyed by it. I wasn't, you know, annoyed that I had seen it coming. I think it made sense. I liked the reveal. And I thought it was really well done. Uh, the magic of the Twin Elders card. So I don't know if it actually lets you bend time, but it lets you commune with the spirit of the wood and she can move through time. So in that sense, you know, he was back 800 years and then he was 500 years ago. He watched the Shepherd King be slaughtered and his children, which is really upsetting. And I thought it was so sweet how he tried to save him too. He, yeah. he tried to protect the kids, even though he couldn't do anything. But I thought that that whole, that whole set of chapters and scenes where... He's using the twin elders. He's communing with the spirit of the wood. And we're getting all of this information from the past. It was so well done. It was so interesting. I thought it made sense for the book. I really liked the reveal of the twin elders card. And I liked the the spirit of the wood didn't want to give it up. And she was like, no, you need to use it here. And in order to be able to take it, he had to go through his own trials and come to a reckoning with his own history and his lineage. And I just, I just thought every, every, all of this was well done. I, I loved it all. I, I wasn't really surprised by the Bennett thing, but I was surprised by the time travel thing and mm-hmm. the fact that time also moves differently when you're using the card. So all of that was a surprise to me. Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved that. Uh, you know, it doesn't exactly bend time either, but it does. Uh, you, you can't change anything. You're just yeah. there as an observer, basically. But yeah, no, I mean, I did see this coming even from the first book because he lives on the property. So the Yu family lives on the property of this old castle where the Shepherd King and his family was. 
Uh, not only that, but Raven shifts a stone by the gravesite of the Shepherd King. He uses his cards that were found in there, you know? Yeah. So there's some there's some uh, foreshadowing there, clearly. So I, I wasn't surprised at all. Obviously, she was laying down bre- breadcrumbs here and there for us, and we finally got fed. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got our meal. We got our but, meal. Yeah. But uh, I felt good about the revelation. I liked it. It made sense. It was specified that Raven and Emery have gray eyes. So as soon as that came on board, that there was the one kid that had the gray eyes, I was like, here we go. Makes Mm -hmm. sense. (laughs) Uh, So I loved when it all came together. I loved him learning about it. I loved knowing that Raven is actually the rightful heir to the throne. I just thought that was super cool. I loved all of this. Okay. There's just like a lot that as I was reading, I was like, man, the story just keeps getting better and better. You know? And I was worried because I thought that this was going to get amped up and it wasn't going to, you know, own up to the first one. You know how that works with sequels. Yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> this just, woohoo, love. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how did I feel about the reveal of the Twin Alders card? So I thought that that was pretty cool. I didn't know what to expect when we had done our little game when we pl- watch, um, when we did the Thursday episode for the One Dark Window Uh you know, we didn't know what the Twin Elders card did. And I think it's really great that not only can you go back in time and view things kind of like through the eyes, uh, you know, of the Shepherd King, uh, not the Shepherd King, through the eyes of the Spirit of the Wood. You know, you return to the scene. You can't make any changes. You can't do anything. Uh, but you are there present so you could see for yourself, kind of like Harry Potter when you're looking into the, uh, what's that called? The Pensieve. Yes, the Pensieve. Uh, I love that. So, you know, that was really cool. I love that, obviously, you know, there has to be a cost. So uh, once you are using it, you do lose track of time if you use it for too long. And I think it was really cool that when he was pulled out of this little veil over his head about this time travel, uh, it happened to be exactly the day that he needed to get there fast. So it made it even more like of a time crunch and it made it more exciting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Thumbs up from me. So, yeah. We're going to be loving on this book, if you couldn't yeah. already tell. Honestly, instead it's of just perfect. talking, we should just clap. We yeah. should just clap for every for like an hour, and then you'll get it. Yeah. That's basically how we feel. <laughs> clap and cheer. Uh, all right. Well, the journey <laughs> the journey to retrieve the Twin Elders card was a treacherous, treacherous, sorry, yet astonishing one, with the reveal of the Shepherd King's abilities to shift trees and speak with the forest. They were swimming across haunted lakes, surviving a veiled village of refugees and a sea of bones and decaying corpses. What were your thoughts on these trials and obstacles and just in general, this portion of the story? And which character do you feel faced the most difficulty on this journey? So not to sound like a broken record, but I loved this. (laughs) Uh, First of all, okay, I am a Lord of the Ring girl. Okay, so Mm -hmm. talking trees, moving trees excites me. So when I seen this, I got very excited. And when he was like, did you think I herded sheep? And he was herding trees. I was like, this is sick. I loved it. I loved when he was moving the trees. I love when he was, you know, encompassing them inside of the trees. So this way they'd be safe and great. Yeah. (laughs) Very creative. I just loved that. Uh, I thought it was, um, you know, a great addition without being like too much or anything and just trying too hard. I thought it was really great and it really helped me picture everything happening. The whole trials of, you know, going across the sea, uh, not the sea, but uh, the, the lake that they were crossing. And mm-hmm. I thought that was very well written. I thought it was 
um, really interesting. I, I loved this whole, every time we got back to Raven or we got back to Elspeth and she was actually um, in the forefront of her mind with the nightmare and they, you know, she was seeing through the, uh, his eyes or her own eyes really. Um, and she was actually present to see everything. As soon as we were going back and forth to those chapters, I was so interested to see what was going on. I loved this journey. I thought it made sense. Uh, you know, the the book, the, the first book was going to build up to that at the end. So, you know, it was interesting to see how that unfolded. Uh, mm -hmm. As far as this, the sea of bones and the decaying corpses, that's cool because we actually got an answer as to where everybody was going when the mist was calling them. So I really liked that and how that was that came together. Mm hmm. The village of refugees also made sense because we needed to know where people were running to. So I really liked that. Uh, there was a woman there who was making, um, was it just magic where she had or she was making potions? I don't remember. Yeah, she was an alchemist, so she could make she was, potions. Yeah. Okay, so she she was an alchemist. So that was her, her power and she was making potions and she makes them fight each other. And that scene was great to read also. I, I feel like I have nothing bad to say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as far as which character faced the most um, difficulty, so I mean, obviously, I'm—he's not like one of the main characters we're in his mind of, but I guess we are as well through Elspeth. But um, the nightmare—he was once the Shepherd King. His name is Taxus. You know, he was brought to this location when he had all this, um, all these cards made, and he had this card made, and he basically had to sacrifice his sister. So returning back must have been difficult for him. And then when everything was going down with Jesper, I feel like he was kind of trying to right wrongs. Um, so I feel like he had a difficult time during this journey. Of course, Raven had a difficult time because he was learning who he really is, and I loved that. Um, obviously, Elspeth wasn't really herself. <laughs> she was having a difficult time too. But I'm going to say everybody... Um, you know, obviously Peter, he had he had a horrible time too. He lost his brother Wick in this mm -hmm. situation. So everybody got had different layers and different levels of um, difficulty on this journey. But I'm gonna have to say probably uh, the Shepherd King, because you know he he was blinded by greed. He sacrificed family in many ways, and I feel like this was his redemption. So I feel like he had a difficult time returning, but he made the best of it to to. Not he couldn't correct the past. Like I said, when you go back in the past with the traveling and stuff, you can't change things. But he was able to make a difference uh, for Raven and his sister. So right, he could he could do the right thing now. Yeah, and for Elspeth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. This was so exciting to read. It was really well done. None of it was boring. None of it didn't make sense. It was it was perfect. That's <laughs> uh, how I feel about this book for the most part. <laughs> Um, you know, when we found out about the Shepherd King's abilities, I thought that that was really cool. I didn't see that coming. I was no. like, oh, that's really fun. Like, I love that. And when they were going across the lake, that was such a haunting scene. I know mm -hmm. we called it a haunted lake, but it, it was very haunting. It was very creepy. It, um, you know, I was worried for our characters during all of these scenes. I was really concerned for their safety and their well-being. When they got to the village of the refugees, I loved this because it does, it gives you those answers about, well, what happens to these people when you say that you save them and you send them off somewhere? Like, where the hell do they go? And, I, you know, you, you're not sure if you're going to get those answers, but then she does. She gives you those answers and she does it in such a great way that really makes sense. And it was impactful when they were forcing Raven, Jesper, and Gorse to fight each other. I was like, oh my God, am I about to watch Raven kill Jesper? Like, I was on the, the edge of my seat. I was so yes. anxious reading this. And it was just so well done. Um, 
the you know everything else I, I loved as well in terms of who I thought had the most difficult journey I do think it was Raven I think that he had to face he you know he he ended up killing Gorse that was something that he had a lot of difficulty with he expressed a lot of remorse over it and he was really yeah. struggling with his own self-identity as a result plus he had to basically allow his sister to run into the mist to be this guide for them to the spirit of the wood it was something once again he was really struggling with and then he had to come to terms with who he is who you know who his family is where his uh, descendants you know where he's descended from and all the while he's just trying his hardest to keep everyone safe and he does end up losing wick who is peter's brother twin brother they were all close friends that was very difficult and i i for me i think it was him i i i agree with you about the shepherd king also having a hard time um but i think for me i, I think raven was really this was like a journey for raven to finding his true identity and it was yeah. a journey for the shepherd king and finding his redemption like you said yeah and i agree because raven was also dealing with the fact that the woman he loves is trapped inside of her own mind yeah so he has all of these obstacles so he has a lot of things that he has a lot of hurdles yeah and it's interesting too because when they were swimming across the haunted lake as we call it their greatest fears are the ones that are trying to drown them i know it was <laughs> so just, Oh, so, so good so good <laughs> i also wanted to say it was really cute because raven he had kind of a uh not a great relationship with the nightmare but he was so angry with him and he was like don't you dare hurt her like her body because he knew like he you know this nightmare it's not elspeth but it's in her body and he was like you cut her hair he was all upset with him oh my god i can't so, wait to talk about that i have yeah. we have that we're gonna was, discuss that there was some comedic I, relief thrown in yes. there, which i enjoyed uh, and also, we didn't mention too, but Jesper, she had a hard time. <laughs> yeah, they they all did. This was they not all an did. easy journey. You know, they they knew what they were getting into, but they they all had a, a rough time for sure. Okay, so the journey has been made previously, as we said, by the Shepherd King, uh, and his full name is actually Amory Percival Taxis. I hope I said that right. His sister Aris or Aris, Iris, I think Aris. Might be Iris. Might actually. be Iris, yeah. Well, his sister, uh, Taxus, was forced by the spirit of the wind on the original journey to sacrifice his sister upon entry. Uh, and what does that mean? Basically, uh, they have these charms that they carry with them. If they remove the charm or if they're separated from the charm, the spirit of the wood enters through the mist and mind controls them and tries to take their, their body over. Um, they end up becoming that sea of bones and corpses that we mentioned. Uh, so... I love the idea of how history repeats itself here. Um, we see this get mirrored where Raven, his sister, Jesper, is the one who is um, having to be sacrificed to remove her charm in order to um, move forward into this place. Um, so history itself, uh, I'm sorry, history repeats uh, seems to be a prevalent theme in this novel and the notion of a cycle which loops until broken. So let's discuss this, history's effect on this kingdom in the present day and the other ways in which we notice the theme throughout the novel. Yeah. Once again, Rachel Gillig did an excellent job with this because she does, it, it's not very subtle. It's pretty clear, you know, what is repeating from history, but it was still fun to learn about the history and then seeing it play out in present day as well. So as you mentioned, we see that happening in their journey through the 
the the the mist through the the wood to the alderwood to get to the spirit of the wood this was a trek that taxis had made previously but this was shortly before he ended up being killed so it was really interesting to see that parallel with raven and jesper and then to see it done right so in this case we're not losing aris or iris and instead you know we're saving jesper and she's able to survive that was really nice to see the shepherd king be able to redeem his his past wrongs in that sense um i think we also see this in other areas of the book so when we get more information about raven's history we learn that he's seeing glimpses of his descendant which is bennett and how he escaped he also um cannot use all of the providence cards he can only use two of them the mirror and the nightmare so that was something he also has the ability to destroy the cards so if he were to tear one in half which he does to brutus rowan who was the king that took over killed the shepherd king and his family and took over we see him destroying that card this comes back to play again later with hoth um and also with night the nightmare and um and elspeth in regaining her consciousness back into her body so we saw that parallel we also saw that in those flashes he bennett was marrying a woman with long dark hair which i thought was so funny i was like oh it's like him and elspeth meeting again um so i do think that there were many parallels throughout history that were repeating itself in in the present day of this novel and I thought that Rachel Gillig did a really excellent job of executing it and showing how you can't change the past, but you can make changes for the future so that you prevent that past from repeating itself. Right. You break the cycles. Right. Because uh, they have the same vicious cycles just kept repeating, repeating. And now when it's repeating again, somebody does something to change it. And I love that. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I love Rachel Gillig's writing. It's so detailed, everything thought out, well planned, well executed. Um, I mean, even like the Brutus Rowan backstory, we got a big backstory about that. It wasn't just some guy who yeah. killed the king and took over because of, you know, we got the reasoning and he, it was a revenge because his wife died. Like, I just, yeah, so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, if you didn't so, read the book, his wife was the Shepherd King's sister, Aris or Iris. Right. I don't know how we're pronouncing it, but it was because he took her into the wood and because she died he wanted his revenge. Yeah. yeah. So it was all because of the Shepherd King. He wrought his own destiny. Yes. I mean, he was Brutus. He was uh, starting to get greedy. You know, he was starting to get cocky with his cards and his army and his whole thing. He was becoming douchey, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know. <laughs> Great a douche. Just, but the point is uh, that we get the fact we, we get his not his whole story. I mean, we get the fact that he's douchey. He has dimension. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we know all about Brutus. We like him or we don't. We don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just I love the whole idea of this cycle of the mist and all this greed through the Rowans and all these things happening for 500 years or maybe longer. And now all of a sudden, you know, someone comes along, gets to break the cycle. We get a. a we're going to talk a bit more about this too, but I love the fact that, that Taxus um, isn't like, yeah, put my lineage back there, you know, make my, my heir the one we'll talk about it. But even that yeah. cycle is type of, is broken. Right. Usually it would be revenge to be like, put my heir on the throne mm -hmm. and he doesn't do all that. So we'll talk about that, but mm -hmm. just, um, I don't know. I just want to hug this book. 
Yeah. Like, I feel like this whole conversation is just me hugging this book and pretending yeah. it's Rachel Gillig. It's our love letter uh, to Rachel Gillig. <laughs> yeah. Just, just yes. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. All right. So one of the perspectives in the novel is Elm, one of our favorites, who finds himself entangled with Ione, Elspeth's cousin, who we learn was forced by Prince Hoth's scythe card to cruelly hide her maiden card so she cannot cease its magic. Let's talk about this section of the book and their developing love story. In what ways did their relationship impact how we as readers perceived their characters? And do you think that it strengthened or weakened their characters? Did we not want this from the first book? I feel like we wanted this. This was half what I was looking forward to in this book. (laughs) Yeah, because they had like that animosity, but that tension. And I I seen it there. We knew it was coming. Mm Uh, and it was well delivered and early and I got excited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I loved their developing love story. I loved that you couldn't really read her because she was behind the maiden card. And this whole thing I didn't see coming with Hoth um, hiding it from her. He is a piece of shit yeah. uh, hiding this for her. So this way, you know, he's messing with her and he used the sky card so she didn't know where it was hidden. And it gives this cute little mission. Well, not really cute because, you know, She's stuck in this role that she doesn't want to play. Uh, but it's <gasps> between her and Elm in the fact that they get to go on this little quest and get to know each other better throughout it. And it's just, I was there for that. Uh, <laughs> I was loving those chapters. So I was loving their developing um, love story, loving these sections of the book. Uh, it it definitely helped us uh, perceive Elm better and it would have not made as much sense if we didn't get to see it through his eyes as it was developing. So I really love that we got his perspective on it. His point of view was so vital, I felt like, for this to um, to get the effect on readers in the way it did for me. Um, and I'm sure for Alex as well. And then as far as its strengthening and weakening goes, I mean, uh, it definitely weakens in a way, Elm, because he wasn't paying attention as much as he usually does He was caught off guard with certain things. You know, he becomes righteous at one point where he's like, I'm going to stay behind and face my brother. Maybe he wouldn't have done that before. So when I say weakens, I might mean it like that it strengthens and weakens in a good way, not strengthens him, uh, not weakens him where it's making his character seem um, less than. It's just that, you know, he's blinded by love in a good way. Um, And I really love that. I love that his character takes a turn in a good way. There's an arc there. and I just, I, I really loved them together. I, I loved the the epilogue at the end as well, too, when they're getting married and yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I absolutely loved this in the story. I was hoping that it would be in, in the book. I didn't think it would be so prominent. So I was, I was over the, over the moon about it. Mm. I was so happy. And I, I really like Ioni. I really loved Elm and I loved their relationship. I loved how they were able to, through their trauma, be able to find each other and help each other heal. And I thought that that was a beautiful message and just a really beautiful way for their story to unfold because they both had some serious trauma. Elm really, I mean, had been living in a nightmare for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And their relationship definitely impacted us as readers because. <laughs> First of all, we get a lot more information about Ioni and in a more positive way. In the first book, we see Ioni through Elspeth's eyes. And even though Elspeth loves her cousin and they're very close, 
she's also very concerned for her sister and she sees the changes in her with the maiden card she doesn't know obviously that it's not her, her fault her cousin oh, sorry oh sorry that's what, I, that's what i meant um but it's obviously not her fault that she can't stop using the maiden card but elspeth didn't know that and we were starting to see maybe some more negative in ioni in the first book so then to come into the second book and see more depth to her character through a different lens i thought was really helpful and i really ended up loving her character a lot i think that their relationship i i agree with you i think it both strengthened and weakened them so for elm in particular yes i think he was a little bit weakened by the love in the sense that he maybe wasn't as cold as he used to be but i think that overall it did strengthen him because he now had a reason for for what he did he he had some sense of purpose he wanted to become king he wanted to make a change in the kingdom because now he had somebody that was supportive of that he had somebody that he felt like could be by his side and help him with that and i think that that was really beautiful and for Ioni, I think it was the same thing. You know, she needed somebody that really wanted to see her. She felt like she was always on the back burner. Nobody really noticed her. There was a really cute scene where they used the chalice card with each other to answer questions. And he has to prove to her that he noticed her before the maiden card. And she's like, absolutely not. There's no way you did. And he proves it tenfold. And it was just really cute. I loved everything about this. I loved what it did to the story. And I liked how the rest of the information about Prince Hoth and the king and, and everything that was going on in the political sense of the novel was unraveled through their story. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love too uh, about um, Ion how uh, after the maiden card is lifted, because as a reminder, or for those of you not who, who aren't reading it, um, the maiden card gives you great beauty on the outside and we find out it also heals but it also um, gives you a cold heart. So it gives you like, you know, makes yeah. you not as, as kind. So during this time, in order to save Elm, she kills a bunch of highwaymen. Mm -hmm. And then later after this, you know, veil is lifted and she's not under the, the maiden card anymore. Um, he thinks that she's going to be this different little like, you know, princess damsel. And she's not. And she's like, uh, I'm glad I killed him and I do it again. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah. I, loved I, it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Badass, like you know, I don't know. She, yeah, I just I love them. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, and I think that they're gonna make a lot of good change in this kingdom going yeah. forward. So, um, so let's discuss the Inquisition scene. Oh, I liked this scene in the castle between the king, Elm, the Destriers, and the prisoners, who were Ion, Eric Spindle, and Tyrn, uh, Tyrn, Tyrn, Tyrn. I said I Tyrn, but. Yeah. Kieran Hawthorne, um, that's Elspeth's cousin, father, and uncle. So Ion saves Elm's lives in the woods, like I just mentioned, and then asks Elm to return the favor. So how well do you feel that he handled that task? I think he did an excellent job. I thought it was so nice to see. He, you could tell he was really sweating it out. He was like, oh, God, how am I going to get us all out of this without getting the wrath of my dad, without getting us all killed? And he comes up with a really clever plan, and I liked that because... I like Elm is supposed to be smart. He is supposed to be very clever and observant and he understands people. And that's made very clear in his character throughout both books. So I thought it was really fun to watch this scene and see him play his father. He knows what will drive his father, what will motivate him. And he uses that to his advantage. So I really liked seeing that. And in the end he does, he saves Ioni's life. And he also 
gets she she had asked for free reign around the castle because she wants to search for her maiden card and he he gets that for her as well so i thought he did a great job and then when chaos erupted at the at the end of the inquisition and people are fighting he just freezes everybody with his scythe card i was like oh shit this is cool <laughs> yeah it was it was a really well done scene and i loved what it showed us in elm's character during that scene I agree. I was on the edge of my seat with the scene. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I loved everything when he was, you know, making the uncle tear and tarn, whatever talk and, um, you know, trying to um, hit all the right targets for the king, knowing what buttons to push and what to say exactly. I just think he's very cunning. You know, he's also caring, though. Elm, we love him. He's a <laughs> bad boy with a heart. We love that. Uh, <laughs> and he's sarcastic. We love that. Yeah. Um. I think he handled the, the task very well and and throughout the whole journey of their little quest on the side as well you know he never forgot about her he never forgot to um keep looking with her to resolve this issue so she'd be okay and through it he really um began to care for her and you could just tell as it was going uh, you could feel it through him and i love that yeah so now let's discuss prince hoth who Ugh. the nightmare maimed at the end of One Dark Window. He was healed through the healing power of the Maiden card, which they discover the secret of the Maiden card after Hoth pushes Ione to her death through an open window of the Spindle House. Yet the card revives her and heals her fatal wounds. So how did you feel about the reveal of the card being used for healing purposes and also about the scene overall and the consequences of Hoth's recovery? I cannot stress how much I love that the maiden card heals. Now I get it because obviously if you use it, it's going to give you great beauty. So if you have marks and stuff, it's going to heal that. So that makes sense that it would do this. Uh, and I just love this because I love, there was a, a comment that I own made about, Oh, you know what? Women can't use this to their advantage. Of course, they're going to keep this a secret for men. Like this is something that we can use for us. You know what I mean? I just love the whole yeah. feminist aspect of it but <laughs> i loved the whole idea of this i loved that she was immortal i thought that that was so cool but i hated the fact that he pushed her out the window i couldn't believe that i was like yeah. oh this i hate this guy you know yeah uh and also hated him also for um just being a really shitty brother and hurting elm uh throughout the years we learned about that he's just a piece of crap um this is the the king that you don't want you know and elm is the king you do yeah. um he's just a, a terrible person to his core he kills his own dad as we're going to talk about soon uh but basically uh i loved the fact that the maiden card does this uh well learning about that i didn't see that coming that was a shock to me mm -hmm. so uh when we find that out and then all of a sudden obviously this girl has to um feel these wounds she feels dying you know she feels all of this before she's healed so she has to suffer uh but then she learns that this heals and i felt like this was definitely going to be a foreshadowing of hoth's recovery um which it does become you know his recovery because he actually sees her recovering after he pushed her and learns that the maiden card has a secret so i really like this i really thought that this was um even though it's just a minor uh you know thing that uh, rachel gillig gives us in this book i feel like it's well thought out and developed and i really loved it yeah but i don't like hoth and I didn't like him waking up, but I knew it was inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. So I I agree with you. I I was surprised by the maiden card to an extent. So I thought that 
it had already been revealed that it healed at least minor wounds because of the fact that it's supposed to make you beautiful and they made mention in the first book that it had kind of um vanished some minor imperfections and things like that so i wasn't surprised that it could heal i was very surprised that it could heal fatal wounds i even wrote in my notes when i was reading it i was like okay so it can heal but probably not something fatal like you know if you are stabbed in the heart you probably won't survive turns out that's not true you can be stabbed stabbed in the heart and still survive you can be pushed out a window and still survive so and that that scene happens where she's actually yeah (laughs) <laughs> but it's um I mean that was that was a shock to me so I I found that very interesting I was devastated when Hoth re- when his recovery was revealed because I was really I was like oh this is wrapping up so nicely like the, he's going to die and then Elm will become king and Ione will be queen and it'll be so beautiful and nice and everybody will be living happily ever after and then he's just alive and well because that asshole Linden discovered that the maiden card could be used for the healing through communicating with yeah yeah by using the nightmare card on prince hoth who had made the connection because he saw ione in his room and knew that he had killed her <laughs> so it was um it was a shock i did not see that coming i was very upset by it and in terms of the consequences i mean oh my god i was so upset after that happened and then we have elm being thrown in the dungeons and i only had to escape it i just the whole i was on the edge of my seat once again i was just like i don't know what's coming next i don't know what's gonna happen please don't let them die like i was like if you kill my elm i'm gonna be distraught for the rest of time and it it just but it was so well done once again just just bravo once again to rachel gill uh gillig um she just I thought she handled all of this really well and I thought the reveals made sense. I thought that they were well handled and it made perfect sense with the plot. It made it really exciting and I have nothing nothing bad to say about it. <laughs> it was hard to read though when Hoth does come back and then he stabs mm-hmm. Ione in the heart and he's yeah. like, see, look, watch this fatal wounds and he gives her the maiden card. He makes her force her to tap it after she just finally released herself from it. And I yeah. was just... I was like, all right, well, you villain, you brute. He's extremely cruel. Yeah. Uh, but very, very fun to read. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we like it. You get it? Okay. <laughs> so speaking of how Hoth uh, is a big jerk, Brutal Hoth poisons and murders his own father, the king, and then frames Elm for the act, throwing Elm into the dungeon for a crime he didn't commit. So let's discuss these events. And his tyranny, because he's quite the piece of shit. Yeah. So once again, I kind of saw this coming. As soon as he told Elm, like, you need to serve the wine, it gave me Game of Thrones vibes from The Purple Wedding when uh, Joffrey is making Tyrion serve the wine and all that. And I was like, he's definitely trying to humiliate him. But at the same time, I was like, I think he's going to kill his dad. I think he's going to poison him. And he did. And I felt so bad. And, you know, the king, he wasn't a great king. He wasn't a great father by any stretch of the imagination. However, in the end, he did try and help Elm. I liked that he fought back as much as he could as he was being killed. And I really liked that. I liked that he had dimension. I liked that he wasn't just some brutal king. Because um, we had Hoth, who is brutal, who is very cold. The king has goodness in him. He just was wayward and, you know, he's an alcoholic and a little, you know, King Baratheon. He was a weak king. But I think in the end, he really wanted to do good. Whereas 
Hoth absolutely didn't. Hoth wanted the power. He wanted to be able to control the kingdom. And that was his goal. And he knew that he had two people in his way, the king and his brother. And he figured, I'll kill two birds with one stone. And so I thought that this was really well done. I liked how it unraveled. I liked the purpose that it served in the plot. And I was devastated. (laughs) by Elm and his treatment and what was happening to him. I was really excited when he was able to get away with Ioni when he decided to to stay back. I I didn't hate it. I was like, just go. But I also liked that he was choosing the honorable thing and saying, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to fight my brother once and for all. Like he can't continue to get away with this. I won't continue to run. And so I, I really liked that, even though I wanted him to be safe. <laughs> yeah. You know, he... So Hoth kills his dad because his dad wants to break the cycle. He wants to reunite the deck and he wants to lift the mist and be the king that's known to lift the mist. And Hoth doesn't want that shit. Mm-hmm. He wants to avoid that so the power can be kept for the Rowans. He's he's the crap of the crap. He's an asshole. I know. <laughs> uh, so not only like, you know, he of course he has no issue pretending or killing. Um, he actually really did intend to kill Ion. Uh he has no, you know, of course he could do that so easily because he kills his own dad. He was a piece of shit to his own brother. You know, he's just not, he's bad, <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Uh, we don't like him. So um, all of these things, his whole tyranny obviously had to come to an end, but it was necessary for the story. And we knew that this was coming from the first book when in the first book he was trying to have these little kids killed. Remember, he was trying to have people hung. He wanted the kid killed because the kid was infected, you know. I mean, yes, it stems from maybe when he was younger, he's been conditioned to believe that this is the way it should be. But I don't see that because Elm was also told the same things and he doesn't have the same uh, attributes. So sorry, Hoth, whatever. Don't feel sorry for you. (laughs) Would have liked him thrown in the dungeon, but he gets what he deserves. And yeah, yeah, I just, you know, I think that they were necessary for the story and well-developed and executed once again. So... Way to go, Rachel the Gills. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, I'm sure he was good looking too. I, I have the sense that he probably was cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, Elm is superb. Okay. <laughs> He's the toilet tree, if you know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> so it is uncovered that the cost of using the Twin Elders card is to lose sense of time. Raven and his group realize this when 24 days have unknowingly elapsed and they find themselves suddenly face to face with solstice racing to you castle to unite the deck and save emery and the kingdom let's discuss this and the events leading up to this development of the new card which heals degeneration and the infection from the mist yeah i mean i i knew something was going to come out of this but i didn't see a new card generating when that happens i was like whoa really yeah. I, that was a shock <laughs> to me yeah. uh, and i thought that that was pretty cool everybody has to tap it you know there's no degeneration from this card you're just getting healed I really like this. I thought that this was creative on her part, that the deck reveals a new card. And I just thought that that was really different. I didn't see that coming. I just thought the mist would be lifted and that would be the end of it. And I thought that this was more fun. Yeah. Uh, and it, it really went well with, with the story. So I really loved this. Uh, when this happens, you know, at first, uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure how it was going to play out. But obviously, everything worked out well. And, uh, you know, as soon as this this card uh revealed itself i just thought wow all right the saga continues but in a good way it's still going i love it (laughs) and i had no idea 
that the other cards that weren't part of this un unification deck, basically, that are still out there would still be in play. I thought that they were just going to all disappear or something. Didn't you think that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, so that was a shock to me too, but a good one. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. I was very shocked that the rest of the cards remained in play, like you said. I thought that they would all just disappear. I also was shocked by the revelation that there would be a new card that would heal. And I loved this. So originally, I just thought that the mist would disappear and everyone who was infected would just automatically be healed. Mm -hmm. But what this does is actually it gives people the choice because some people didn't like their magic and they wanted to be healed from it. And some liked their magic and they wanted to keep it. So it gave them that option. And I loved that idea in this book that you can choose to, you know, keep your magic and face some possible degeneration, or you can choose to be healed. And I, I really like the way that Rachel Gillig included that in this book. When we got to this point of the book, I just, my heart was like racing. I was like, oh my God, are they going to get there in time? I, I was just thinking, because up until this point, things were kind of like going according to plan. And then everything just fell apart. Every single thing just started falling apart. And I was like, no, oh my God, what's going to happen? I was convinced somebody was going to die. I even, at one point, I was like, maybe Ioni will turn bad. Who even knows at this point? Like, I was thinking that that might happen on that plot line. And then I was like, something's going to happen here. They're not going to make it in time. And they're going to have to do something else with the spirit of the wood. I didn't know what to expect. So this... The whole collection of chapters towards the end of the book, maybe the last 25%, I'd say, just had me on the edge of my seat. I didn't know what was going to happen next. I was so excited. Everything that came just made me so happy and also so scared. And I loved it. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was I, a no, ride. <laughs> I, I was a ride. And I agree with you about Ione because, um, you know, she was with the maiden card, froze her heart, and then Hoth stabbed her in the heart mm -hmm. so at one point i thought she was just gonna become heartless and i was like this is all like building up to her becoming heartless and i was like yeah. oh no i don't want this i don't want this and that didn't happen so i was yeah. like okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm cool but yeah. I, I love i love that rachel gillig like you know when you say people like oh they thought of everything like she really mm -hmm. did think of everything yeah. she thought of making sure that we knew what happened to the other cards <laughs> mm. you know what i mean she didn't just say oh well this happened the lifted you know not, not like yeah. the easy way out like the card the mist lifted and boom, everything disappeared. No, she made sure to let us know a new card came. And out of that deck, that deck disappeared. But the other cards are still out there for use. And like you said, it's a choice. And I loved that. Yeah. That was a nice, um, that was a nice, uh, a different change of, of what I thought was going to happen. So I yeah. really liked that a lot. Um, she really tied up all the ends. And yeah. I love that. I love that too, especially in the conclusion. It's, you know, there's not going to be any more books. I shouldn't have any more questions. So exactly. Yeah. All right, so as we mentioned a little earlier, the rightful heir to the throne by Bloodright should be Raven. However, Taxus, that's the Shepherd King's real name, he does not wish to restore his descendant or their reign, but rather seeks to place Elm on the throne instead. So how did you feel about the way this unfolded and the reasons behind Taxus's quest for Elm to rule? Well, surprise, surprise. I loved it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> this was perfect. So first of all, I loved that Raven was very, you know, Jon Snow. He was like, you know, the spirit of the wood is like, oh, you'd make a good king. You know, you should be king. You can take it. I'll put you there. And he was like, no, I don't want it. And then even the nightmare was like, no, he shouldn't have it. And basically what he explains is, you know, for however many hundreds of years it's been, the you 
family or Taxus family versus the Rowan family in terms of who has control. And Elm is the perfect person to rule because he's a Rowan by birth, but a U by heart because he was raised by the U's where the Rowans, his, his father and his brother were cruel to him and abused him and, you know, traumatized him. The U family, who are his cousins and aunts and uncle, um, took him in, raised him, and he developed more loyalty and affinity to them. So he's the perfect person to bridge these two houses, these two ancient houses, to then forge a new kingdom where you can take the good from both and use it to make the kingdom better. And so I thought it was the perfect decision. Of course, I love my boy Elm anyway. <laughs> and, and I love that he was ready for this too. It's something he had never considered in his whole life. He didn't want it. He knew it was never going to be him. He was always the other prince, you know, not the, the first prince, not the firstborn. So he never wanted it. He never thought he could have it. And then throughout this book, he kind of comes to terms with the fact that he could be king and he could be a good king and he can make real lasting change. And so I loved that we saw that side by side, that he is the right person and that he was ready to take on that role as well. And I think that Taxus knew that as well. Yeah. I mean, it's made quite clear that it, it makes sense because Raven, I don't know what his exact title name is. I know he's the head of the Destriers. Captain of the Destriers. Right. Yeah. He's the captain of the Destriers. He doesn't want that role. He doesn't want the title. He doesn't want the power that comes along with it. He doesn't want to make those decisions because he's a good person. and He doesn't want to go along with those things. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, he makes he tells the king straight up, um, you know, I don't want this role. <laughs> and in the end, please make sure that it's not me anymore. So when it becomes you know, when it, when we learn that he's the heir to the throne, it wouldn't have, it would have been out of his character to be like, yes, I would love to rule and be this king. He doesn't want that. You know, he wants he's he's perfect for Elspeth because I feel like they're the ones that want to take a back seat and be like out of the limelight yeah. where obviously Elm and Iona are like made for the limelight, but in a yeah. good way, you know, <laughs> so like it makes sense. Uh, everything that plays out here and uh, I, I loved the way it all unfolded. And I loved that Taxus um, wants this and he recognizes this and he does what's right for his descendant and not what's right for his legacy. You know what I'm saying? Like he actually yeah. is a nightmare with a heart. He's not really a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love we'll him. <laughs> we'll talk more about that soon too. But actually right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the novel, Elspeth is finally able to regain control of her body. However, this does mean that the nightmare finally moves beyond the veil, essentially dies and finds peace. What are your thoughts on the evolution of the relationship between Elspeth and Raven with the nightmare? And how do you think Elspeth will cope without his presence after 11 years of him literally living inside her head? I mean, he's become a part of her. It's going to take time and she's definitely going to have to heal from that. I think she's definitely because it does mention that uh, the mirror card, you can um, see spirits through it. And it's made mention that you see Taxus and his, and his family through the card. I think Raven sees them at one point and says they're present for the wedding or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that they will communicate with him. I think she's going to need that to cope because he is a part of her. And I just absolutely love the idea of instead of him being this bad guy, this nightmare and how it all got turned around from the first book. Instead of them hating him, they come to respect him as as they get to know him and, and know his story. And, you know, like 
I, I love him in the end. You don't yeah. like him at first. You think he's a nightmare. And yeah. then you find out he really isn't. You know, he just, he was greedy. He had his moments. Obviously, he didn't put his family first in the past, but he writes, he tries to right his wrongs as much as he can. Uh, and he tries to do the right thing. And he really isn't a nightmare in the end. And I really do love the relationship and the bonds that form between these characters. Uh, and I really, I got really sad, you know, when he waited around for Raven before letting Elspeth touch the cards. So this way she could go back to herself because he wanted to say goodbye to his descendant. I just, I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I loved the whole evolution of of all of that. And I just think, um, you know, I don't know. I was sad to see him go in a way. And when you first read the first book, The One Dark Window, you don't expect that. Because you're like, oh, my God, holy shit. Rachel Gillick did us dirty. Oh, my God. He took over Elspeth's body. I want him out. And now you're like, oh, he's leaving. <laughs> right. It's such a crazy turn of events. But I liked it. Well, well done. Yeah. I never really was that upset. I I never thought he was really that bad. He was funny. Thing. He was, he was funny. super funny. But he also he showed shades of goodness. So there was definitely a lot of evil in him at times and violence but he did always show an affinity and an affection for Elspeth. And it was clear that he would do whatever he could to respect that. So I know even at the end of the first novel, he had said like, yes, I will help Raven and I will help your friends get the twin elders so that we can cure this mist. And he does, he follows through on that. So I really liked that. I, I love the nightmare as a character and the shepherd King, he's a super gray character. So even the, as the Shepherd King, you know, he did a lot of awful things, but he did it for good reasons. And that was the real travesty or, or tragedy of it all was that he wanted to do good. Everything he did was f to make things better for everyone else, but it, he had to keep giving up more parts of himself. And that eventually turned him into this nightmare, this monster. And it was really nice to see his redemption arc. In terms of his relationship with Elspeth and his relationship with Raven, I I love his relationship with Raven. I thought I loved his relationship with Elspeth. Right. His relationship with Raven was the funniest thing I've ever read. Now, I don't know if it's the funniest thing I've ever read, but it, it was so enjoyable in this book. They were so cranky. They're like two yeah. grumps just being grumpy together and grumpy <laughs> at each other. And it was just hilarious. I loved yeah. it. And, and the personality aspect, like you're saying about the grumps, like when you find out they're related, you're like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it does make <laughs> sense. But I, I just thought it was cute because how in the first book, the nightmare had a little nickname for Elspeth. I think he called her uh, Little One or something along those lines. In this book, he calls Raven Little Bird. And even though a lot of times he says it with like some derision in his voice, you could tell it's still like an affection. And I just thought it was so sweet. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really loved this and I did, it was very sad at the end. I was like, I don't want him to go. You know, I didn't want the nightmare to go. And I think for Elspeth, after having him, you know, in her mind for so long, it's definitely going to take some adjustment. I think there's probably some freedom in knowing that your mind is fully yours again. However, it has to be strange to then go and not have, you know, he, he assisted her in many ways too, with knowledge and with advice and she doesn't have that anymore but they do mention at the end of the book that because the if you use the mirror card for too long you can see beyond the veil which means that you can see spirits 
So they do make it known that Raven had been using his mirror card and he was able to actually see beyond the veil, was able to see Taxus and his he was reunited with his children, his family. Um, so I, I think that they would likely continue to maybe check on him from time to time, make sure that he's doing okay. I like to think that at least. I don't know. Do you do you think they would <laughs> like kind of check in with him? Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, what I loved most about this inclusion, because like I said, she thought of everything. You know, yeah. I feel like um, she knew that as readers, we weren't going to want to see him go like we've been saying. And she was like, all right, so you know what? I won't get rid of him completely. So I'll give them hope that mm -hmm. through the mirror card, they'll see spirits and they'll still be able to see them, you know, him and his family, like hanging around the the, yeah. uh, the area where they live, because obviously they're going to live on the this property. Um, and I, I think also as a writer, you know, you get attached to your characters when you're writing. So I think she was probably so attached to him, too, that she wasn't ready to see him go. So she yeah. gave that opportunity that they can see him going forward. So there's the hope there that they can still communicate. And I'm ha I'm satisfied with that. Yeah. So I, I hope that they do. I mean, I'd like to know that I, we, they don't give us a wedding between Raven and um that's what's crazy, too. They don't give us a wedding between Raven and Elspeth because I thought when they were gearing up at the end, it was going to be their wedding, but it yeah. ended up being Elms and Ions, which was great. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, when they do get married, because, you know, that will happen when they do, obviously, like they're going to totally be there. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like not, you know, I yeah. don't know. I just. Uh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad to say. Yeah. Nothing. I agree. <laughs> Nothing, which is why the next question makes sense. Uh, so what do you think is next for Elspeth, Raven, and Elm? And would you be interested in reading more of their stories? So what I love about these two books is that, yes, I would love to read more about their stories, but I don't need to because I know what's next for them. You know, I, I imagine Elspeth and Raven will eventually get married. They'll probably have a family. I imagine he'll probably still be captain of the the armies or whatever you would call it, but now it's going to be something he takes pride in because it's for Elm. It's not for this king that he despises and who wreaks havoc on on the the kingdom. And I think she finally can experience freedom for the first time and do what she wants. She, you know, she was living in hiding up until this point. You know, up until she was then you know pushed into the backs of her mind. So she can finally kind of experience life i imagine they'll do a lot of that and for elm i think he's going to be a wonderful king and i think he's going to be happy truly happy for the first time in his life he'll have his you know beloved family by his side he'll have his beautiful wife who they just have the cutest relationship and i think that they all live happily ever after a, a lot of this book really made me feel like i was reading a fairy tale like a modern day fairy tale yes. and a so dark fantasy fairy tale dark for sure but a lot of fan fairy tales were dark you know the original tales Grimm's. were were dark um Grimm's fairy tales yes not just the Grimm's, but even like the original uh what you call oh, it? yeah the, hans the original... christian anderson all those yeah they yeah. they they were much more dark than the disney ones so i i i like feeling like they all lived happily ever after but yet I would still be more than happy to read anything about them because I love these characters so much. It was sad to say goodbye to them, but I was happy knowing that they're going to be happy. Yeah. You know what it is? Like I'm content and I don't yeah. say that often. Like I'm just content at the end of this book where I don't have to worry about, I don't have any worries. 
Uh, I don't have any, you know, loose ends that need to be tied, no questions unanswered, nothing like that. So I feel very content with the end of this to the point where I wouldn't need to read on because I know good things are coming to those characters that I really like. But if we were presented with more of this story, I would 100% read that shit. I would <laughs> gobble that shit up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would love it. Um, but I feel like it's not necessary because she did such a great job with this duology. And I feel like it's just so well done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think next for Elspeth, obviously, and Raven, they're going to get married. They're going to have kids. They're going to, um, you know, continue this legacy and they're going to have a good relationship with the Rowans going forward. I feel like obviously Elm and Aonia are going to be great. I feel like, um, you know, Elm's going to be a just king. Ion is going to be... Um, a kind queen you know they, they're gonna actually care about their people they're gonna be in a kingdom that i would like to live in <laughs> yeah and this mist is gone so now they don't have that shit you know weighing them down they don't have to worry about these things if somebody's infected they're not gonna give a shit yeah. they're not gonna be like oh that person's infected let's kill him let's hunt them down they're gonna be accepting of everybody and i just think that that's sounds like a wonderful place yeah the way it should be <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so Bravo. I'm sure a lot of people could probably guess, but what are your overall thoughts of Gillig's writing and this duology as a whole? And would you read more from her? Genius, genius, genius! <laughs> uh, as Mr. Deeds movie uh, is exactly how I feel. Yeah. I think Gillig is a very, very talented writer. I love her writing style. I love this duology. She did such a fantastic job. Uh, she is a five-star author as far as I'm concerned because both books are five stars to me. Mm -hmm. I think that she did such a great job of tying everything together. She really definitely sat there and planned everything out and really thought everything through and made sure that, uh, you know, we were given every single detail that she gave. She never forgot about them or forgot to tie them together. Everything was tied perfectly and well and well thought out. And I really loved her creativity. You know, uh, every time I thought I had something figured out, it was better than what I thought would happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just love that. So I loved this duology. I would read this hundreds of times. This is definitely um, one of my favorite books I read this year. My favorite duology, obviously, that I read this year, but definitely one of my favorite sequels of all time because they don't always live up to the hype. This did. Mm -hmm. uh, I would 100% read more from her, and I am looking forward to reading her next stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100% big fan of her writing love this duology i mean you guys could tell i'm sure oh yeah we've just been gushing about it definitely a, if not the the top series that i read this year at least top three probably i absolutely loved this book it was better than the first and i loved the first um i think that rachel gillick in my opinion could do no wrong as of right now i would literally read anything that she writes she could write like a, a note to her hairdresser <laughs> saying thank you and I would read it and I would gobble it up and I would rate it five stars <laughs> yeah but, I, I forgot to mention her prose too is beautiful it's beautiful yeah. and you know it's not just like filler prose like <laughs> Caravelle <laughs> you know what I mean there's actually point and purpose yeah. um to this prose and it's not just you know something that sounds pretty but what does it mean what does it all mean Basil yeah um there's so much meaning and, and love behind she, her words yeah everything she writes has a reason it has a purpose and the atmosphere of this novel i mean she does just such a wonderful job of really building this world for you in your brain like you can picture every single scene in your head you know exactly what's happening and it's just just really well done the only things i will say 
we both had this and it's more of an editing issue, but there were yeah. some typos. So I don't like that in a published work. However, didn't affect my rating. And the only other thing I would say is this was very fairy tale. It was very happy ending. They all live happily ever after, which I am a fan of. I do like it. However, I feel like the journey that they went on, a major character probably should have died. I didn't want them to die. And I actually, the reason I think I went on my romance binge prior to reading this is because I was afraid that I would be in tears at the end of this book. So I was glad I wasn't. Uh, but that was the only minor thing. Again, it did not affect my rating. Yeah. And... In fact, I found it refreshing for once. Yeah. You know what I mean? A little refreshing. But I mean, I, I agree. The editing was not her fault, but there was some typos. Peter's name was spelled wrong. You know, there was some other things too. It was like two thes next to each other. Like, come on, editor. All right. That's not Rachel Gillig's fault, but you gotta you gotta be on top of that stuff. And obviously they pushed these out the press too quickly too, because I was showing Alex that on my pages there were these lines through them on the start of new chapters. Some of them had like these printing ink issue lines. Yeah, yeah, ink lines. Um, and that shouldn't be. You shouldn't have copier lines. Obviously, these were pushed out fast, so I get that. Obviously, there was probably a high demand for it, and that's fine. But you gotta, you gotta pay attention to that. So yeah. again, not on Rachel Gillick, <laughs> and I'm not taking any points off because it's not attributed to her work, you know. Um, but boo, we don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, so what are your thoughts on the title? Two Twisted Crowns. I love the title. <laughs> I love everything about these books, this book, um, I think that it encapsulates perfectly what this book is essentially about, which is the warring between two families, uh, Rowan and Taxus or slash Elm, I'm, I'm sorry, slash you. Um, and it was basically the two twisted crowns were the crown of the Shepherd King and the crown of Prince Hoth or the, or the Rowan King king's crown so i think the title makes sense with the content i think it's a pretty title i think that it works and i liked saying it and i love it <laughs> i wouldn't change it i wouldn't i wouldn't do it different yeah i just tried to find this the it does come full circle at one point it says two twisted crowns in the yeah. book just like it did with one dark window and it makes sense there's a reasoning behind her title choices obviously she thinks of everything so you know it's great i wouldn't have changed it at all i think it has like layered meanings too like you know twi two twisted crowns crown having to do with your head there's two people in elspeth's mind two twisted crowns two twisted mm -hmm. crowns between the rowans and you know the ta and taxes and there's two twisted crowns where ravens and in, in intertwined with it too like it's just it's great yeah <laughs> uh a plus on the title for me i wouldn't have made it anything different at all yeah I like the idea of it being twisted as well in the sense that they weren't good, you know, they they were bad kings and their crowns were twisted. I think that was a little symbolic as well. Yeah. The only thing I will say that now though when I see two twisted crowns I immediately think of two twisted tits. <laughs> because now me and Alex are calling it two twisted tits behind the scenes. We think it's hilarious <laughs> because when I was typing out the the script for this one I I I put TTT instead of TTC to stand for two twisted crowns and i was like oh, two twisted tits so now it's two twisted tits and, and now I, I unfortunately i think of that so yeah <laughs> now you'll you'll think of it too you're That's welcome it. you're sorry i'm sorry you're sorry no no one's sorry you're all right welcome. so what do you think of the cover art do you think it fits with the content of the book and would you have changed anything 
Now I love the cover art. I mean, yeah. you do get like twisted everything. You get an idea of a crown happening here when it's the, the two trees coming together almost on the top here. You have her, uh, Elspeth, in the middle, and you know it's her body with the the nightmare really inside of her but you have like this shadow coming out of her which can kind of represent him as well i just think that the the cover art is beautiful and matches perfectly with the contents it matches and mirrors perfectly with one dark window too it gives that layer of um that level of intrigue and you're wondering what it's going to be about but it does sum it up because she does you know elspeth um her body physically is really the nightmare controlling being the shepherd king you know shepherding the trees and perfect yeah. perfect cover for it That's yeah part of the story yeah i have nothing else to add i think it's a perfect cover it's absolutely gorgeous it's super atmospheric just like the novel it gives you the same feeling while you're looking at the cover that you get while you're reading it and i love that um that it has that connection and i, I have nothing bad to say about it about anything it was i love the cover so much <laughs> i like it better than the first one and i loved the first one same <laughs> all right so for the fun part if this book could be summed up as what would it be first thing that comes to mind a song a song um <laughs> i don't know why but this is just what first came to my mind but you know that song two princes one two Princess stand before you. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead now. I love that song okay. and that's what I think of. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I have two songs for some reason. First was You Are My Fire, which has nothing to do with this. Okay. And, so I'm just going to skip that, but I had to sing it anyway because I love that song. But the one that came to mind for me was um, uh, When All of the Queens Have Been on the Throne, We Can Pop Champagne something something okay <laughs> you know which also has nothing to do with anything except for ion being queen i don't know i just like that song <laughs> that's what came to mind yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> whatever <laughs> nail color i think like a charcoal gray <gasps> me too did that's you say the same thing <laughs> i was gonna say a charcoal gray i love it yeah yeah or like you know one of those like a uh, chrome dark yeah gunmetal type of color yeah yeah nice <laughs> all right we're on the same page yeah cocktail i said red wine served in a goblet yes that makes a lot of sense <laughs> definitely a goblet for the cocktail yeah. uh i'm gonna go with wine too because i feel like the wine was super flowy in this mm. entire series it was flowing yeah so we're gonna go it has to be red too yeah it has to be yeah how about an item of clothing Item of clothing. So I think I'm going to say like a ball gown, but like one of like the ones that Ioni wore that was pretty. Remember that one she wore uh, for the, I don't remember which feast it was. The seasons one? Was it the seasons ones? Yeah. When she looked like the equinox. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going with. Cause I awesome. want to see that dress in real life. It sounds so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait until this is made into like a movie or a, a show or whatever. I need yeah. to see the fashion and everything yeah um but yeah i like that i went to a, a different direction i was thinking of the highwaymen okay so i was gonna say one of those like um like a mask or something over their mm -hmm. face that they wear like one of those like bandanas so you can't really see them yeah something like face that covering something, yeah like a black face covering of some sort yeah. but um obviously in that era right okay how about a meal a meal okay 
I'm going to say like some bread with butter and tomato soup, like cozy Ooh. comfort food. That sounds good. Yeah. I'm going to, I was saying rotted bread because that's all I could think of. <laughs> okay. Um, so we both had bread on the brain, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. What about an animal? This is a good one. Yeah. Hmm. I, I guess a, a raven. I know. You said raven horse. last time. Did I say raven last time? Yeah. Cause I think you might've also said or a horse last time. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm going to say a, a fox because I feel like uh, Elm is cunning like a fox. Okay. I like that. Uh, okay. So we're going to introduce a new little one, little mm -hmm. segment here too within this or a new category, subcategory, whatever you want to say. Um, fan casting. So who would we cast in these roles if we could think of anybody? Okay. So I've been thinking about this ever since we mentioned it earlier. And I think I have my cast down. Okay. So for Elm, I think I'm going to go with Adam Driver. Ooh. Very tall, except he would have, you know, lighter eyes and lighter hair. But I think I get that, like, that vibe from him. That kind of sarcastic and, like, tall, like, I don't know. I'm mean, That's what I'm going with. Okay. For Raven, I'm going to say Ed Westwick from the original Gossip Girl. For okay. Elspeth. I'm going to go with Shailene Woodley when she was a little younger, maybe. But and then for Ione, I'll say Sophie Turner. OK, uh, that is very in-depth. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So for Elm, I was thinking Theo James. I love Ooh. Theo James. OK. And I could picture him in the role being sarcastic and just super hot, you know? Yeah. Um, For Raven, I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like Raven is a little more subdued. I would say maybe he is, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say Zac Efron. He's too pretty for the role. Not he Zac is too Efron. pretty. He's too pretty. <laughs> I, I want to say Tom Hiddleston, the guy that plays Loki. He's yeah, hot. I can see that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's say him. And then Elspeth, I feel like dark hair. Maybe um, who has dark hair in, in the movies? I don't know. Like I, I was also thinking of Nina Dobrev. I don't know. Did you ever watch um, The Vampire Diaries? No. Oh, she has dark hair and she kind of gives me that Elspeth feel a little bit. I don't know. I who was, else? I was thinking Zoe Kravitz, maybe. Oh, okay. She's, you know, I don't know. I feel like she would be good in the role or I feel mm -hmm. like, uh, right, because she's, you know, she's like petite, but she's, yeah. I feel like she might encapsulate her She's good. a little spunky. Yeah. yeah. Or um, who's the cute girl, too, that uh, plays Wednesday on Netflix? Oh, Ortega. yes. Ortega, yeah. He would be cute in the role, too. Okay. Um, And then for Hoth, he's got to be hot, but he's got to be the worst, obviously. <laughs> so it can't be somebody we love because I don't want to see him as, like, a guy we hate. Okay. He's got Who's hot? Who could play that role? Who's hot but we hate? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, that we don't. I We, we could sacrifice. <laughs> that we could sacrifice. Jeez. You know who I could play know. him? You know who I'm picturing now? Chris Evans. I don't know why. Okay. Chris Evans can be hot. All right. That's All fine right. with me. Yeah, because I feel like he's never been in a role where I absolutely despise him, and I'd like to see him play that role. Okay. Yeah. All right. And as for the nightmare, I don't know, because he's going to be CGI. I Maybe know. he'll have Harrison <laughs> Ford's voice. Oh, okay. All right. So <laughs> I think... Do we guys... even have to answer this question? I know. I was just going to say that, but I think we already know. But would you scoop or skip and how many golden scoops would you give Obviously, it? Obviously, <laughs> I would skip it and give it zero stars because I hated it. No. Uh, five stars from me. I would 
100% scoop this if you haven't already. Please read this duology if you like fantasy and you like that dark fantasy and you like the little bit of romance thrown in there. Love. Love this series. Uh, for me, it's 100% scoop, scoop, scoop. And five stars. I have absolutely nothing bad to say. I love Rachel Gillig's writing. I love her prose. I love her storytelling. I think she's a master storyteller. And she's up there now on one of my favorite authors. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, okay. I, I agree with you 100%. This is a giant scoop for me. This is all the scoops. I want all the scoops of this yes. book, this series, uh, duology, five golden scoops for me. And I don't have anything bad to say about this book. The minor complaints that I had don't affect my rating, the reading experience or anything about the book whatsoever. So this is perfect. one of my favorite, it's one almost of my perfect. favorite books I've read this year and read in a while, period. Yeah. This so. will be one of my favorites for a long time to come. And I think I will reread this at some point. And I think I'll love it just as much when I do. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely go yeah. out and read it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. We had a good conversation. <laughs> just a reminder to stay after the episode for some bloopers and bonus content. Next Tuesday, November 14th, we'll be reading and reviewing Belladonna by Adeline Grace. Join us then as we discuss the introduction to the dark fantasy series. And then join us again this Thursday, November 9th, for another party episode. And don't forget to mark your calendar for our next book of the month episode, which will air on Wednesday, November 29th. We'll be reading and discussing There There by Tommy the Orange. And be on the lookout for the next bonus episode on November 20th. We'll be reviewing Britney Spears' newly released memoir, The Woman in Me. If you haven't read the upcoming books but would like to, head on over to the link in our bio and get a copy for yourself so that you can participate in future discussions. You don't pay anything extra, but if you make a purchase using our link, we get a small commission, so thank you so much for supporting us. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would leave a positive review on Spotify, Apple, or whichever streaming service you use. We would really appreciate it also if you could spread the word by telling friends and family about our podcast. And of course, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate each and every one of you. Yep. We also want to remind everyone to be on the lookout for our live events on TikTok. Yep, we'll be doing some live events soon and we will post upcoming dates on our socials. If you're just tuning in, this is what you can expect from our podcast. We're going to be releasing new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. So be sure to check out our socials for updates and also some bonus content. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and other platforms. Click on the link in our bio for access to all of our socials, our website, and other links. We encourage you to reach out to us with thoughts, ideas, questions, and feedback. You can email us at bookswithcooks at gmail.com. You can also find our full book reviews on Goodreads. These links will also be available at the link in bio. If no one told you today, you're important and valued. You belong here. You're doing great. And we believe in you. Now let's turn the page and put a fork in it. Because we're done with this one.
say sequeef? Sequeef. You're a sequeef. You're a sequeef. People know what sequestered means. We should put a poll out. I'm going to put a poll oh, out on TikTok. You want to do that? All right. I'm going to hey, do it. Hey, everyone who's been sequestered out there. Uh, sequeef. People did get sequestered with COVID. All right. All right. So before we dive into our discussion, here's a plot synopsis. Do not put sequeefed in there. <laughs> I can see you putting sequeefed. <laughs> You're a mess. You're a saboteur. <laughs> I'm going to sequester you with a sequeef. You're a sabbequeef. Glances were all over the place. All right. <clears throat> Let's tell you what the sequeefle is all about. <laughs> oh my god. The sequeefle. The sequeefle. Else queef. Shut up. Oh. You guys suck. Thanks for listening to my mommy and me and Alec. Bye.